Thanks for that piece of shit, Lieutenant, that's always uh, on his podcast. Pass us. All right, everyone, welcome to New York's finest retired unfiltered podcast. This is your 265 Police Live series, American Most Complained Cop, NYPD. And along with me, of course, is the founder and the co host of the podcast, John McCarry, retired lieutenant, unvaccinated. How you doing, my brother? How's everything, bro? Bring it in. Outstanding, outstanding. So let's get right into it. I think we got something pretty interesting. John and I had just attended recently on September 13th this month a meeting, the CCLB monthly meeting, virtually via webinar. It was at 6.30 p.m. Eastern time. It was physically held on Jersey Street in Staten Island, the confines of the one to one precinct. Uh, John and I both worked there, so we're very familiar with it. So, John, let's get right into it. Tell them what happened at this meeting. We attend the meeting. The meeting goes absolutely sideways. I mean, it has nothing to even do really with CCRB. A lot of cop bashing, as always. Uh, we've attended it before. No one stuck up for the, C- for the NYPD at all. Um, Eric, I actually entered the meeting first and requested to speak first. I requested second. Um, it was only me, Eric, and another virtual attendee there. So it was only three people that attended virtually. Um, they allowed me to speak. I went to go speak on uh, the profiling unit and I had some questions on the profiling unit, but I kind of just spoke on putting everything into perspective about what everybody was talking about. And then Eric was the ninth chance. Yeah. So I just want to get into it and explain to people how this works and why, because my first amendment ultimately was denied at this particular meeting. So I don't find it uh, a coincidence. I always say I don't believe the coincidences. It's quite, it's quite ironic. Here I am, the most complained cop coined by the city newspaper. By yo, I've had written papers, the most complained cop of CCRBs. And I attended, John and I both attended a meeting virtually via webinar. Same thing back in January when we both spoke. We had a four-minute opportunity to speak. And this time was denied my First Amendment right. So what's quite interesting about this is when you're actually on the webinar, you get a list of attendees. It shows you all the panelists that are present, physically present there, and also the attendees that are there at virtually webinar. And there was only three attendees. It was myself and John and one other gentleman by the name of Rick Robinson. John, what else did you notice? <laughs> I mean, so they, they, you know, obviously they, they completely deny Eric. They, they, he's hands up the whole time. They end the meeting right after I speak. They let other people that were there speak three or four times. Four minutes each. They give you four minutes to speak. It's a public forum. You cannot be denied your right to speak. Same as in New York City Council. Oh, anyone familiar with Alex Stein, primetime Stein, 99, I'm pimp on the blimp. That dude, he's actually suing a couple of, a couple of uh, city council members across different states for denying him his First Amendment privileges, which is the same thing that happened to Eric. Eric makes a post about it immediately after we leave that meeting on Twitter. And I, I believe on Instagram too, but on Twitter, there's an immediate response. We let John speak. I don't know who this girl is. I don't know if she works for CCRB, but I find it very strange that Eric puts that out. Two seconds later, there's a response. She tags me in it. We let John speak. I said, yeah, I was allowed to speak. Eric wasn't. Yeah, so sure enough, I spoke to John right away. Called John after the meeting. I said, John, I made sure. Here I am. I'm in Thailand. It's 11 hours ahead by the by, by the timeline and the clock. So I made sure I was up and I was present 
I was logged in on the computer at 5.30 a.m. here in Thailand, which is 6.30 p.m. Eastern time on September 13th. I was present for the entire two-hour event. And during that two-hour event, I had my hand raised the entire time, which is an icon via webinar. So right away, I told John, I guarantee they're going to say that there was either a glitch in the system or that I didn't know how to utilize the webinar and press an icon. So sure enough, I got a, I got a response on Instagram I didn't contact CCRB directly just by the post that I have put out. So let me read it out to you. CCRB responded to me, and it's exactly what I had foreshadowed. And here it is. Hello. We saw your post about not being able to speak at the CCRB meeting last week. We carefully monitor raise hands and unfortunately never saw your hand raised. You should be able to see an icon of a raised hand next to your name in the clip you posted, if the feature worked correctly. So here we go. They're talking about a potential glitch. Below, you will see instructions from WebEx on how to do this. If you experience tech issues next time, we should be happy. <laughs> we should be happy to help you sort through. We give everyone who asks to speak at our meeting the opportunity and are sorry you weren't able to share. Our next board meeting is October 11th, and we will work with you to make sure you have the opportunity to speak. And below this, uh, below this statement is a link to the WebEx to show me how to click on the raised hand icon. So, John, what do you make of this? Revictimizing the victim, baby. Uh, they said basically you're a moron. You must have got lucky the <laughs> other time that you spoke that you were able to click the thing because this time you obviously weren't. You obviously didn't know how to do it. You know, I was giving them like a 2% chance that there was a chance that there was a glitch. But after the, the, the tweet that was immediately responded to and then the Instagram message, there's no way in my mind that this was an accident. On top of that, the last time we spoke, I was able to put uh, I was able to grab that video, I think within 48 hours. Here we are. It's over a week later. And that's why we held off on doing this podcast. And the video is still not out. And I wonder why. Yeah, so sure enough, in response to this, first, let me be fair and say, okay, let's play devil's advocate. And let's just say there was a glitch in the system. And let's say I was an idiot and I didn't know how to press the raise hand icon. Let's say two possibilities were implemented in this particular meeting. Now, there was only three virtual attendees. It was John, it was myself, another gentleman by the name of Rick Robinson. And how the meeting works, all the panelists and the board, meeting, board members have an opportunity to speak at the beginning of the meeting, and the virtual attendees are afforded an opportunity at the end. So here we are, two out of three of the attendees who, who were present virtually through webinar had spoke. So isn't it possible for them to just say, hey, Mr. Eric Dim, we noticed you're the last attendee. Did you, would you like to take an opportunity to speak just in case there was a glitch or I was an idiot and, don't, and didn't know how to press the raise hand icon? And yet that one was presented. So I did make a complaint today. I called the NYPD Internal Affairs Bureau and I made a complaint for them to refer to the DOI, which is the Department of Investigations. And the reason why I made this complaint is so that there is transparency and the CCRB can be held accountable 
just as they always say that they want to hold police officers accountable. John, what do you think about this? CCRB is third party watchdog who works independently from NYPD, sometimes in conjunction with NYPD to investigate New York City police officers. However, they should be held to the same standards that they hold New York City police officers to, right? If you don't give somebody a business card, what happens to you? A punishable up to 10 days. If you don't fail to give someone your name or your shield number, punishable up to 10 days. I do believe there needs to be accountability. I believe an investigation needs to be done. First Amendment privileges, I'm sorry, First Amendment rights need to be upheld in every single one of these meetings. So if at the end of the day, nothing comes out of this and it turns out to be a glitch, They'll be more cognizant of people who are attending that want to speak to make sure they speak or to fix their glitch. But we want to ensure that this never happens to anybody again. We will be attending other meetings. We encourage retired members. We encourage active members, family members to attend these meetings. There's a large anti-police sentiment in New York. There's a lot of misinformation being spewed out there. And the, the appointed... Uh, the appointed, the police commissioner's appointed board member isn't going to stand up for you. You know, Joe Fox, nice guy, probably one of the best people I've ever met on this job. Doesn't make him a leader, doesn't make him good in that position. Nothing's changing in that position. I mean, the things that I said, that the times that I sat in these meetings and what I've heard said, and there's zero pushback given other than file a complaint, file a complaint, file a complaint. And I'm not even talking about pushback, just have actual conversations with people, um, we need we, we, we need to restore common sense in every level of government in New York City and across this nation. Absolutely. And the purpose of this podcast is not to rant and rave and to get people in trouble. We're not here trying to get CCRB personnel in trouble just as they tried to do with myself. Two wrongs don't make a right. That's not the purpose and significance of this podcast. The purpose and significance is to be the catalyst for change, to change the civilian viewpoint, to make it to make it transparent where police officers and civilians are both treated fairly, and, and, and that's where the accountability, accountability comes in. And in addition to that, is also to be the catalyst for change of the discipline matrix, and then ultimately the 50A, because there's a correlation between CCLB substantiations, 50A, the discipline matrix, and civil liability. It's one complete circle. So that's the purpose of making this complaint. As a retired member, I should have my First Amendment right to speak at the Civilian Complaint Review Board meeting, especially with the expertise and experience that we have here. There was a gentleman at this particular meeting. He had an African accent. Uh, I believe that he was a police officer himself from a, a country in Africa. What he said at the meeting really resonated to John and myself, and we both agreed. He said... You're a police officer once in your life, but twice a civilian. So John and I are both in retirement. We're civilians again, and we should have been afforded the opportunity for both of us to speak on behalf of the finest unfiltered and also on behalf of ourselves to be the catalyst for change. So I'm holding the Civilian Complaint Review Board accountable at this point. Absolutely. You know, I went there to we both had our different reasons why we were going to speak. I went there to, to speak on uh, the profiling unit and actually the charge itself. I want to know. And I'm going to ask this at the next meeting. I didn't get a chance to because I had to restore common sense in that room because I just couldn't believe how they were letting people walk out of that room feeling hopeless, feeling that the police hate them, that the police aren't, that we're not all a community. So I, I, I spoke just basically on my reality. That's it. I just tried to humanize cops. Uh, John McCary. Uh, I'm a retired lieutenant. I, I served 18 years in the NYPD. Uh, I grew up in Staten Island. 
Um, I had recently retired. I retired over the vaccine mandate. I refused to take the vaccine and I retired. Um, and since I did that, I've been speaking out, trying to bring cops and communities together. Um, I started a podcast, New York's Finest Retired and Unfiltered Podcast, where we speak about police issues. I wasn't going to speak tonight. I came here to actually ask a question about the profiling um, unit, but I'm going to refrain from doing that, and I'll save that for another night. Um, I heard a lot of young leaders in the room speaking tonight, and I, I think it, it this truly isn't the forum for most of the stuff you need, the funding. But I think it's very important that we have these conversations and I applaud CCRB for holding this and letting all these people, giving them an opportunity to speak and to speak their truth and, and the circumstances they deal with with the NYPD. Um, most of what I hear, uh, you know, I'm a young kid. I grew up in I grew up in uh, Bensonhurst, Brooklyn. I moved to Staten Island. I was arrested twice in my youth. Uh, I was given numerous summonses as, as a juvenile. I was always hanging out in the park, playing basketball hung out with some good people, hung out with some bad people. I have a lot of life experience in New York City. And I just want to say to the to the members of the community, especially to the leaders who are dealing with these young kids, um, I just want to back up on what John said. You go to nypd.org and you could go online and you could look at the patrol guide and look at each function of when a stop is warranted and when it isn't. Um, I've had numerous interactions with the police in my youth, and then I've had thousands of interactions as a cop with youth. And what I would say and I suggest to everyone is know the law, know the procedure, know everything in and out and, and, and have it be known when there's a problem. And, and we need voice at the table. We need police. Uh, again, I, I've spoken here and I said this before and I don't want to offend anyone at the CCRB, but I believe police should be present here, especially the leadership. I believe they should hear the interactions and, and try to come up with ways to improve it. You know, you're always going to deal with personalities. Cops are human like everybody else, right? You go to the doctor's office, girl might be having a bad day at the front desk. She's going to give you an attitude. Unwarranted, warranted, doesn't matter. You, you're there to do your job, do your job. 100% agree with that. But what I'll say is, and I think this is what never gets said and what needs to be said, is that we need to have this discussion, everybody, real discussions. Whether we agree or not, at least we understand where people are coming from. But to the youth specifically, in the street is not the time to challenge the cops. I'm going to just say what my father told me. Like I said, I was arrested twice. I had a very big disdain for the police until I actually, until I actually, I, I, I matured a little bit more. I had a lot more interactions and I kind of understood it. I got to know a cop. I got to know a senior guy and, and he uh, kind of explained it to me. And I kind of seen where I was wrong and where I escalated situations. And, and exactly what my father said to me, listen, if they're going to lock you up, I don't care what you did. If you did nothing wrong, just put your hands behind your back, go to jail. We'll figure it out. File your complaints. We'll get a lawsuit. Do not fight with these guys. They have guns on them. They're afraid. They don't know who you are. They, they will use those guns. And, and, and that is, you know, and, and being a police officer, I've been in those situations where I've been scared. I, I do have intricate knowledge of New York City and New York City, all different ethnicities and all different groups. I worked in every neighborhood in New York City. Um, I, you know, I did anti-crime for a long time. So I was that guy jumping out on the car, doing stops on youth, looking for firearms, guns, drugs. Um, and so I understand the fears and I understand the real fears and I also understand your fears. So I just wanted to, I just wanted to, to, to speak on that and just I want to applaud everyone for coming here. There were some things I didn't agree with and there were some things I did. 
But I, regardless, we're not here to change each other's mind. But I just want to say I, 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 I understand getting offended by the oh, we're the, the police are the husband, and and you're the the wife. I I'm here to say that the police are uh, we're a family, right? We're all there. I'm your neighbor. I'm your brother. I'm your cousin. I'm the kid that went to school with you. I'm 43 years old. Also, I remember when Sandy Brock died. I remember that totally. I remember him playing for Curtis. I attended Newdorf High School. I played basketball. Um, you know, these are things that impact all of us. I have children. I don't want my children dealing with overzealous police either. But I, I also teach my children the same thing. Don't. It's not the time. And even in retirement now, I interact with some cops where I'm like, oh, this guy got a real bad attitude. You know, but like I said, I, I try to just keep a human element to it. And I try to keep it at the same way I did on the street. I try to understand the person that I'm dealing with's viewpoint. And I just think to the public, you should try to understand the cops viewpoint too. And if they're wrong, it's not, it's not the place. And I'm not saying not to use your voice and I'm not saying not to uh, speak up for yourself, but I'm just saying like, don't let it get to physical escalation. And that's where we see things go bad constantly. So I appreciate you guys letting me speak on that and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll kick it over to you. I'll be back at the next one to bring up my issue. Uh, so I just wanted to thank everybody for, for coming here tonight. But what I really went there to do was ask, what will they be doing different in their investigations to prove the charge of profiling? I do believe that this will be used disproportionately against male white officers, this charge. And I think you're going to start to see substantiations. However, for years and years and years, I think I believe since 2016, that charge has been in the NYPD. It might be earlier, might be a year after, maybe 2016, 2017. I'm not, I'm not 100 percent. But that charge has been given out thousands of times with it only being substantiated, I believe, twice. And I would even question those two times. I want to know what the CCRB is going to do differently in their investigation than the NYPD does and how they actually substantiate that charge of profiling without getting the member of service to say, yes, I profiled the person. I also would like to raise a question, which I find extremely troubling. So if there's anyone out there, internal affairs with the NYPD at this point, if you're working the CCRB liaison unit or you have access to CCRB information, if you can reach out to us at the podcast, New York Finance Retired Unfiltered, we will keep your identity, of course, a secret. I mean, that's our word. And we always keep that uh, as an out. Anyone we speak to in the NYPD who reaches out to us, we keep their information anonymous. We're here to protect you, not here to hurt you. So... What we did notice, which I thought was troubling, is someone uh, presented from the CCRB of how people can make complaints. They explained their forte of what they focus on, and they had given the acronym FATO, which we all know. But in addition to that, it, it said FATO plus untruthful statements. So, so that raises a question. What John and I would like to know at this point is untruthful statements now being investigated by the Civilian Complaint Review Board? Or is that still in the hands of the police department? Because it's my experience, and John as well, from sitting through CCRB investigations, that these investigations are reverse engineered, and the determination has already been implemented. And when you are questioned, you are boxed in and led into untruthful statements if your statements do not coincide with the, with the investigation that has already been determined. 
Yeah, absolutely. There needs to be accountability, not only with the fact of letting people speak, but there needs to be transparency in their investigations. And there needs to be transparency in the way they're dealing out discipline. Another thing that was said in the meeting, you know, these meetings are boring, but I really suggest if you're on the job, you listen to them. Another thing that John Darst did insinuate in that meeting is that there was more pushback in the prior police commissioner's uh, um, administration under Key Chan Sewell. I don't believe that to be the case, to be honest with you. I do believe she did try a little bit. But, I mean, we debunked that, the changes to the disciplinary matrix. If anything, it got worse. Um, so we debunked a lot of that. But I don't know what those conversations were back and forth. There wasn't much done and much uh, reversed. So, But I don't know what the conversations that were having. But he basically insinuated that, Caban's not going to do anything and they're going to have free roam to slam you guys basically insinuated to me. Anyway, that's what I heard. Well, absolutely. And I've been in conversation with several cops who've kept their names anonymous. They've been in contact, me, uh, in contact with me uh, via Instagram. I don't know exactly who they are, but different cops who use fake monikers on Instagram and who've been in big support of Eric Adams and Eric uh, and, and Ed Caban where they say that they're actually supporting the cops. But from this meeting that we uh, we heard, totally insinuates something completely different, that they're actually, their civilian complaint review board is getting complete support from Mayor Eric Adams and Police Commissioner Ed Caban at this point, which is in opposition of you. you the cop that's on the street right now that's being forced into to intrusive and proactive police work, which we know is what works, but not in a broken system that you are living in right now. So they're putting you out there to hurt and stain your careers. Absolutely. Listen, there needs to be transparency. There needs to be more pushback. The fact that I just want to end on, on this, Eric, I just want to get your thoughts on this. How do you feel that there are no members of the NYPD sitting in that room other than a police commissioner's appointee? It, do you, do you feel that members of the NYPD should be there to hear this? Absolutely. A hundred percent. When I was on the job, I would have been proud if I was, if I would have been appointed as the liaison to actually attend these CCRB monthly meetings, I think that we could have made some great changes. For one, the police department is not there to actually hear what these community members are saying at these CCRB meetings. They're not there to hear what the CCRB board is actually convening to these people. And there's a lot of mixed messaging and the police department needs to be there so that they can be transparent and hold these people accountable and actually give them the expertise perspective based on the police department. So the fact that they're, they're not there is completely irresponsible. It's hurting the police officers. You know who was there? New York's finest retired and filter podcast in retirement. We're the only ones that, that are there. And again, I say, why are we paying union dues? Where are the unions? The unions should send personnel from each union to be there on behalf of their unions to represent their cops since the police department fails to have any leadership present. Absolutely. It's an absolute disgrace that the NYPD is not there. Um, it should be there to hear the conversations that not only CCRB is having, but the civilians are having. It's another way to eliminate complaints. You hear what's going on in the community. And, you know, when they, like this, this meeting was held on, on, on Jersey Street and the JCC in Staten Island. It should have been the, 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 all the all the commanding officers of those precincts should have been there to hear those people's complaints, whether they were frivolous or not. You should know what's going on in your command and how don't you know, or at least a representative of that CEO, whether it be a community affairs guy, whatever it is. And one thousand percent, 
what are the unions doing besides handing out water when you're standing out of detail and bouncing for two hours and getting paid for the whole day? Why can't they go? They should be there. Um, that's all I got. We're going to go to the next meeting. If anybody wants to attend with us, any retired guys, I don't want any, any active guys coming on. Any retired guys, any civilians want to come, let us know. We'll give you the details. We'll let you know how to register. We'll let you know to hear what's going on. Again, we got to restore common sense in every level of government. I just want to leave this last point. Now, if the NYPD was actually present, they would hear the most common complaint that we heard at this particular CCRB monthly meeting. And you'd actually be shocked to hear what the meeting is, right? Because there's so much perception in opposition to the police department, and there is. But the most common complaint, I think John would probably agree, is that the people actually want to talk to you, which I, I thought was a surprise. And most of the complaints were that police officers, when they're on their post, particularly basketball games, when they're there at a fixed post, that they're not actually conversing with the people there. And what we heard is that the people actually just want to talk to the police and be in conversation with them. So I learned something from, from, from hearing that. So to the police officers that are out there, if you're on a post, these community members and the people that are there, they actually want to talk to you. They, they actually want to get to know you. So be human and talk to them. What do you think, John? Do you agree as, as the most common complaint? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it was just misconceptions of us versus them, them versus us. And, and I kind of just, that's what I winded up speaking on. I'll edit it in this podcast if they ever put that interview out. If they ever put that meeting out, I'll edit it in here. Um, but if they don't, I'm going to send it as it is. But that's kind of just what I spoke on is, listen, everybody has bad days the same way you think that cop's an idiot. He might think that you're being an idiot. You know, it's a two-way street. Respect is a two-way street. And that's basically what I winded up speaking on instead of the profiling. But I am going to ask that question at the next CCRB, and they're going to let Eric speak at the next one. So that's why we filed that complaint, so that there is accountability. New York's finest, retired and unfiltered podcast, baby. We'll be right back at you. Law enforcement professionals dedicate their lives to serving and protecting our community. But who's protecting their financial futures? That's where Laidlaw Blue comes in. Our wealth management platform is specifically designed for the law enforcement community. Laidlaw Blue is a division within Laidlaw Wealth Management run by retired New York City detective John McDermott. His status as a retired detective uniquely positions him to establish a deep connection between Laidlaw Blue and the law enforcement community. Our platform is easy to use and provides a range of financial services, including investment management, retirement planning, and insurance solutions. With Laidlaw Blue, you can secure your financial future and provide for your loved ones. Our team of experienced financial advisors understands the unique challenges and opportunities that law enforcement professionals face. We're here to help you navigate the complexities of financial planning, and achieve your goals. Laidlaw Blue, secure your financial future today. Book a meeting using the QR code displayed or call us directly on 888-901-BLUE. That's 888-901-BLUE.